Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Got some feedback, Mark, for you from Jane from a couple of sessions ago um, at a Q&A. She was just getting some advice on regaining the trot under the saddle with a horse that sort of used to go into a bucky bolty canter because he wasn't quite comfortable with it. She's implemented your recommendation of fine tuning the accelerator, which has helped her to be really much more keenly aware of where her horse's mind is and something that she hadn't done before. She says, and she's written a really nice comment to you, that we stayed at a walk for long periods of time, varying the speed up and down. After a few days, his body and mind relaxed and he started giving me one to two steps of nice trot transition. We did this exercise steadily for about a week, gaining more steps each time. To my surprise, not only has his lovely trot returned, but the bucky bolty canter has disappeared. Fine tuning the accelerator and patience resolve the issue. Thank you, Mark. Oh, that's great. I'm glad it's, it's, it's real nice to be able to help. So yeah, it's quite interesting that, uh, the accelerator is so important and instead of doing, you know, 50 bad trot transitions, uh, to finally get one good one is just, um, focus on the horse, uh, where they are emotionally and, uh, and how they understand the accelerator and, and, uh, that first transition will be a good one. So only practice good trot transitions instead of sort of, you know, discourage bad ones all the time. Well done, Jane, and thanks for giving us that feedback. So this session of the Q&A, Mark, we're going to go through um, helping some people with their horses who on the ground leading and um, getting their horses to travel comfortably next to them um, in different scenarios. And this sort of set of questions is going to pick your brains on a philosophical question as well. So we're going to kick off, first of all, with a question from Sarah. And Sarah says that she has a four-year-old Andalusian mare and she's hoping to get this horse going to a, to the stage where she can ride her at one of your clinics. She's done one of your clinics before. So she's progressing through slowly with her. And she, her leading has got really solid. Now she wants to go on to the long reins, but she's having a problem getting her to go out on a straight line and to search. What's happening is at the moment that she leads her past her and she slows down her walk, beside her then this mare circles around her rather than going in a straight line often with her ears pinned back and her hind coming in sometimes even breaking into a little unhappy trot or a buck it's as if she doesn't like her dropping onto the side or behind her and she still does a squeal if she does this when they're riding in the forest and they're walking you know hand in hand in the forest so she's wondering if it's something about her positioning where is she going wrong uh, by the sounds of it, it's a sensory issue in where you're positioned. Now, a lot of horses, when you get to the back corner of their eye and down their sides, especially the sensitive areas uh, to the flank and the hip and things like that, they can get worried. Uh, other horses can get, like like by the sounds of her, a little bit defensive. Um, now, it can be something that, as I said, it could be a natural thing. It can be also something that is in the mare from um, maybe once being sort of pushed that high, had that hind got pushed away a little bit um, too much in a certain way or sent, sent out or something like that. that, that can also put that in there and it puts a distrust in there, especially if they already had a bit of a predisposition to be a little bit like really wearing down the back end. So um, 
either way, um, there's a certain amount of graded exposure uh, through approach and retreat that you can do. Now, when I talk about approach and retreat, um, to, to be more effective with it, I think it's really important that you get the horse to do, make the decisions through the, the approach and retreat. Um, so one approach and retreat is you go down the horse's side, approach and retreat, approach and retreat. So what, what happens, you're approaching until you see a bit of a change, a bit of anxiety, you stop a little, you wait a little, when the horse softens, you might just step back a little bit and just, just, just let the horse, um, you know, you're kind of just listening to it as you go in. Um, and because the horse see, not doesn't see you just invading its bubble, it'll allow you in slowly until you're in, in, in its bubble and also back past the eye. Um, the catch with this, it's, it's you're doing everything and when the horse is under certain pressures, you probably find she'll still get quite anxious back there. So um, with the leading by lesson, I'd encourage her doing the approaching approach and retreat like that. So I think you might be just trying to ask her by a little too soon, um, as in I would like you to go by out and search so I can get you to travel. But there's a point where her eye's going past you and she's saying, I don't really like this. And that's the point you might want to sort of wait and um, uh, what I mean by wait is if you're leading her and say say as the back corner of her eye started to just get past your shoulder, um, she starts to get a little hard and a bit sort of like not feeling very good, then you don't ask her any further. You just sort of walk with her softly there until she softens. Even what you could do is you stand still and you get her walk uh, walk that part of her eye past you and then come back to the front part of her eyes in front of you and then back and just rock her over that spot until she softens. And then when she softens there, she might actually go a little bit further and be okay. So so what you're doing is, is um, you're just slowing down the process of her passing you and finding where the brace is. So your mind is not on her. What I say to people is your mind's not in the future on her getting past you and going out and searching so you can get her in a, a position to long reign. Your mind is exactly where the brace is. So as she's going past, there'll be a spot she starts to get a little bit, I'm not so sure about this. You lead her in that position and rock her back off that position and back into that position until she softens there. And then you might just loosen your hand and just let her travel at a walk, just saying, oh, I can do this, this is okay. And then you might back out of that position or back her out and you back out and say, there, that's all we've done. We've done that now. We've, I've got into that position. You've survived. Uh, I haven't gone any further into your space or I haven't made you come past me any further into that position. Um, but I've got you to move into that position opposed to the horse getting still. You're doing all the moving. So I, I would just work on that spot a little longer and also try and encourage a very slow walk. So sometimes when you feel a horse is going to stall, and you're not using driving pressure as your backup. Sometimes people try and pull them through a little fast to try and give a bit of momentum up so the horse will keep going. I discourage that. I would encourage a slow walk because you'd be surprised. Most horses, a horse will walk out further from a slow, thoughtful walk than you trying to sort of propel them out with a fast walk. Um, not always, but if you wait on them with a slow walk until they go ka-chink and they soften and they just carry that walk and they think forward, then they'll just kind of crawl out nice and soft and keep going because they've had a thought change. So, but you've got to watch closely when they're leading by. So as I say, just more graded exposure there, getting her to come by and also um, practice you standing uh, in the middle and just getting her to walk around you softly 
without you having to move your feet. And then even when she's walking around you softly, you might just practice poking that rope through your hand so she can have a bit of room and see if she'll just explore out a little bit and then bring it back in a bit and just explore out a little bit and bring it back in a bit. And, um, and then you'll find she'll just get, get comfortable in that area and then, and then start to trust you there. And before you even get her to go out on a big walk, make sure she can come by and you can just about rub your hands softly down her sides like you were brushing her with a brush and she's okay with your hand rubbing right down to the tail softly as she just kind of cruises by and just show her that I'm not trying to threaten you. Obviously get her eye right and her positioning right or comfortable in the position before you put the hand on her, but then get her comfortable and say, this is just you walking by, I'm not going to do anything to you. And then she goes, oh, oh, maybe not. And then she'll just go, oh, well, I'll go on about my business and walk a nice straight line. Focus on that a little bit and put the trust there because it'll pay off later on at the mounting block and things like that. So you might be thinking you, you know, you're treading water, but that, that treading water might be, be important because later on other things will speed up. So you catch up eventually because of the, um, the because you, you you you're strengthening the foundation. Good luck with that, Sarah. It sounds like you found a sticky spot, and um, I'm glad that um, you know you fo- you can focus on that and work through it. So um, we've got a very similar question, Mark, from Linda, but um, at a slightly different pace. And you mentioned the trot in that one. So Linda has a standard bread and she's getting him on a short lead going beside her. And he can, it's just going into the trot that she seems to be having a problem with. Um, It seems that he can be quite frustrated. He's able to do a slow, slow walk and walk beside her. He rates her well. But it's only when she asks him to trot that there seems to be a bit of an issue. What happens is he tries to nip her hand. Is she doing something wrong? Um, yes and no. And there's also some other issues in there. So when you say standard bread, um, I'm going to talk about something I see a lot in standard breads when I'm doing leading lessons. Um, because of the conflict in them, because of their training. So we get a lot of trotters and we get a lot of paces, okay? So... But, and it's probably more, more prevalent in the standards that have been paces. Um, if yours hasn't raced at all, they, they, they don't, don't listen to everything that I'm saying, but take it on board anyway. But um, for everybody else that's leading standards, is there's a point when you're leading them up that they go to go into a trot and they block more than other horses do. And I kind of used to think, why do they do that? And then I, got, got me, I, got, I was thinking about it and I thought, well, actually, um, it's kind of like they have to go into a pace. So it's kind of like this, boom, let's get pacing. And there's this conflict, because if they were a horse that wasn't truly gated to just naturally want to pace um, genetically, then they would have been kind of forced to, to pace in a way, you know, because they sort of set them up so they're not allowed to trot. Um, so basically there's a bit of conflict in the horse when they go, I just want to, I just want to, but I don't know what to do. And they, and they tend to just kind of pull back and brace it also. And they get, some get quite angry. Um, and it's usually in that leading, going from a fast walk, just getting the walk up and dribble into a jog. And because of the speed, they're used to kind of getting that ramp up with a card on going, and getting going. But when they're just going up into a fast walk, it's not quite enough of that, you know, fear and adrenaline to get them to go, oh, snap into pace and just go pacing. So they go, I want to, I want to just jog, but I, I'm, 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 I'm in, in, I've, I've got this emotional conflict of I've got a pace, but I need a bit more pace to pace or, you know, and yeah, it's more so in those guys that end up sort of giving them more conflict when you're going up in the walk. So what, what I do with those uh, horses um, is I, 
I get really, really soft in the walk transition as I as I go up a little bit, up a little bit, and I want to know the horse can go up, 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 and then I go down, 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 up, 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 down, 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 and get that horse to just build up and then slow down. Don't hang them there on the lead for too long when they're getting all sort of, you know, um, frightened and flustered, and just go down again and up again, and just get that really nice. The understanding of the lead rope is more important than the trot transition. So think of it as just really nice acceleration through the pole and then down again, much like the, the lessons in walking and getting the horse used to legs and ready for a trot. It's, it's just about, the, actually, to be honest, it's the same thing if, if um, like the comment about working on the accelerator until the horse is very comfortable with that accelerator and then it just goes into a nice trot. It's going to be the same thing. You're just trying to get more, more control in the lead rope and uh, softness in that lead rope and softness in the down and up transition before your horse trots. And what happens is you just build it up a little more each time, like you're building a dam with a bulldozer. You're just pushing a bit of dirt up and going a bit more each each time. And then the horse will go, oh, just, you know what, I'm not just, uh, I'm feeling confident and I'm not under too much pressure. And they'll start to just go into that next speed. Um, now, when you said that the horse is biting close at your hand, I think for those trotting and leading lessons, I'd probably want the horse on about maybe a foot, two, maybe two feet of rope. So you can sort of pick up the feel. There's a bit of um, sort of, uh, there's a bit of give in the rope. So the horse can feel that rope coming up and then it pulls on their pole. They can rake that a little bit. And also um, having them lead back a little bit there, their mouth's not near your hand at all. So when they get stressed, they're not right near your hand. And, um, and it's just between them and the rope more than your hand and them. So obviously your hand controls the rope, but if they're back two feet, they're not going to bite. So I'd actually start that leading lesson so he can you know, follow the knot down, follow it up. But, but as I say, you've got two feet of rope between his mouth and your hand, and, and that will also help. But, yeah, just, just, just work on, on, the, on him, you know, just getting really confident, going all the way up his walk, all the way down, and uh, until he, it's his idea to trot nearly. It might take a little bit longer. There are times that some horses will just get stuck at a certain point and they just hang on that edge. And then I may add some sort of like flag on my leg to pop and they just have a little snap and they snap over the edge um, quickly uh, just to get them over that edge. And they might rush a little bit when they trot, but then you just go back to that slow walk again and you just bring them back up to walk again. And just once they've got over that edge and they realize it's available uh, and, they, and you think they wanna get over that edge a bit more, then you can start to sort of grade, grade them, grade it till they sort of softly at the edge and go soft in the trot. So yeah, once you've got that working soft, you can experiment with a bit of a, a pop to say, hey, just just one try to get over that spot they they're hung up on. And once they've done it, smooth it out then and get it really soft. Okay, next question. Mark is from Christine, and it's about getting a horse's focus. She's got a three and a half year old gelding and they've been working through the challenge series of yours. But she has to train him sometimes where there's a section of a lot of grass and hay bales on one side of the fence and his friends on the other. So she's having a really hard time getting him to believe that she's a better option for him to focus on. And she thinks it's affecting her training. Do you have any suggestions for her should she find another place to train? Um. Yeah, you just buy a special licorice suit <laughs> and um, and the horse will see you in your licorice suit and you'll be far more important um, than anything Get else because licorice is the uh, the addictive treat 
of, of the horse of the horses and um, yeah it's a very high value tree uh, apparently and um, and a horse can smell it from a mile away so anyway that that's the answer and uh, next <laughs> anyway so by the by the sounds of that the distraction of all the other things that are so so you know benefit you know that the horse likes uh, you know you can't blame a horse for just doing what it likes and you know having other things there you know we're really not that important to them especially uh if horses have had a few years of blocking us out and things like that so training is training and the horse doesn't just come to us because we're centered and grounded and um you know it doesn't always just happen like that though it'd be nice and you know i used to love though i hated the drought uh in, for a lot of reasons the thing that was good in the drought is i could throw some hay in the yard and the horses would all come over but when we got feed everywhere all the time the horse are going you know why do I really want to come into the yards for? Because I've got grass everywhere. So obviously the desire to come into the yards or someplace that's sort of not beneficial to them is less, unless they're curious and interested. I noticed the young ones I've got now, they're kind of like always curious and they get a bit bored out in the paddock. So they go, oh, yeah, I'll come and check you out. And, you know, that gives them a bit of stimulant. So, but it's not always happening that they're all curious like that. So when you approach your horse, you know, if you practice being grounded, your tree, you, you know, your, your tree, like not a tree, like you just stand there, you know, just, just still. What I mean by being a tree is you're grounded in your positioning. And even when you're walking, you're grounding, your, your roots are sort of connected to the ground, things like that. Um, you're calm, you're sort of free of, free of, you know, all that fidgety mind that we get that sort of gets us off. And, you know, you just, you just sort of, with, with the moment um when you're going towards your horse you have some way of distracting them so basically all i can say is when his thoughts go somewhere else um you've just got to do something to say let go of that um you know as i say sometimes if you can just bang the lead rope on your leg for a second if you don't hurt yourself or you've got a long boot um people who wear chaps just bang it on their chaps or their half chaps um you can have a little flag that you pop or you can put it up in the air and give a little shake just to get their attention. And then when you got their attention, you just kind of, you know, just draw away and do something different. And when you walk, if they sort of, you know, get distracted on something, just get their attention until they just become a little bit more attentive to you being there. So that is education. You're trying to get them, show them that, you know, let go of that, that this is available, but you're not making, um, you know, you're not making them run away or chasing them away to make them sort of face up and come to you. You're just saying, uh, I need your attention. And um, so you're allowed to go in and get their attention and then with them um letting go of all those other things then curiosity will start to come in and i'll start to come over and pay more attention to you so horses that are just generally get distracted or zone out a bit to people and things like that then definitely you want to be getting it you know if you just can't get their attention organically by just being there you have to do something to to, to gain their focus um and once a horse starts to become more aware around us and we get that sort of more centered horse and it becomes more of a habit when we're around them they become um yeah they just become more centered and less distracted uh, if it's a horse that you've been you know trying it on that's has has as i said got in the habit of blocking out people it's kind of like some of those horses it's almost like when people come they deliberately get almost like they're deliberately getting distracted but it's like it's become a coping mechanism that they just you know focus on grass or focus on the other horses or whereas when you walk away they become more centered um so um and I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying it's possibly can be the case with horses. So if you've got a horse that has a negative magnetism, so what I mean a negative magnetism is something's coming over 
that it doesn't like, that repels it. Um, some horses automatically go to uh, destinating thoughts, which is just something that can attract them to the yeah, other horses, hay, corner, the fence, whatever, safety. Um, they, they seek out something else stronger, obviously, because this is presenting its, uh, as a worry in the horse. So if they're still worrying you and things like that, and, and the horse is seeing a certain danger from you being there, so it's actually kind of double distracting than normal just distracting, then, then you still can get in there and say, hey, I need your attention. But with those horses that um, you're presenting quite a bit of a, a worry or a danger, um, when you get their attention, you just walk away and give them space and then come back again. So you, that, that's where you probably use a bit more approach and retreat. But you're still trying to say that's not available. But then when they do bring their thoughts, you give them space to go, oh, that wasn't such a bad experience. Oh, maybe I'll pay more attention. I'm getting a bit curious in them because most people just, you know, don't think about me and they just kind of walk up to me all the time, you know. So, so yeah, so if it's a horse that you do start to notice in the observation lesson part of it, that there's a little bit of tension in there because you're there and it's, it's sort of different in the way it sort of focuses on all the attractions around it, then, then I'd say I'd give it a bit of space every time you get its attention just to, just to sort of pose a less of a threat. But yeah, work on, on getting them to let go of those other distractions and then what are they going to do once they've let go of all that? They're, they're probably going to be more interested in you. Wonderful. All right, Mark, your last question for this session and your philosophical question for today is from Kate. Kate says there's a common train of thinking that when a horse is too full of itself, you reduce their feed. For example, she has a friend that's sent a horse off to a trainer and the trainer is not feeding it other than plain hay. In your opinion, how much does what you're feeding the horse play a part in its behaviour or issues? Well, not, something I'll say is I uh, just just recently over Christmas as a family we did the um, the uh, overland track in Tasmania and I think I would have been on half rations and burning a lot more calories than normal, um, and my energy levels didn't seem to falter too much, um, so. I would say it was borderline a starvation diet, but anyway, no, I won't go that to that extent. But but my energy levels were okay because um, I, another part of my body kicked in, in because of the, the you know the walking every day with a pack and climbing mountains and different things like that. So, uh, but but we were getting good sleep, so we did notice that good sleep was also a good thing. But um, and I find sometimes that you know when you eat a lot, you sort of sometimes have energy, but then sometimes you don't have a lot of energy at all. And I wonder in horses if it's the same, but because there is, I, I, for years, you know, it was the spring feed syndrome when the horses go, you know, bonkers on spring feed, all the sugar in the feed and stuff like that. And yeah, when someone's malnutritioned or a horse is malnutritioned and there's no energy, there's no energy, obviously they're flat. Um, but a healthy horse is a horse that has good energy and uh, nat natural life and things like that. Um, uh, but, you know, if I look at the horses that are rolling around in the paddock and the amount of energy they've got, um, to think the horse is full of itself because of food is, is a little bit of a thing, I believe, that the horses are most full of themselves because of the anxiety they're carrying and the lack of understanding in things. Now, a worried horse with more energy can probably do more than a starved horse. But it's the thought, a, a soft-minded horse that's, been eating 
good food is not just a horse that suddenly becomes, you know, hormonally crazy or whatever like this, unless it's springtime hormones, which is a different scenario altogether, like breeding hormones and all that sort of stuff. This is food we're talking about. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I think we talk about that too much, that, 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 that they're full of themselves because of food and, and actually they're, they're just um, not full of themselves. They just don't understand and they're worried. And when I used to start and educate horses, um, they went back to their owners in as good condition, if not better condition, than when they came to me. Um, we only fed them hay and sometimes we fed them a lot of hay, so we fed them good hay and they're out in paddocks. Um, obviously, back then I didn't just put them straight on oats because most of the horses came off grass, so putting them on hard feed wasn't wasn't a good thing for them anyway. So, so you know, a mix of, of paddock grass and hay, uh, as long as it was enough to keep them in order and for the amount of energy that they were expelling with the education they were getting back, then I was happy. But um, I used to hear horror stories of horses coming back from trainers, you know, poor as a crow over and over again uh, with the trainers thinking we'll just half starve them, get them half shut down and, you know, they kind of look broken in. But then those horses get all the all their condition back on and then they look crazy or they buck when they put a saddle on them and then the person thinks, oh, you know, oh, maybe we've got to keep them fed less because they're, they're, they're gone crazy because we've put condition on them. And it's like, well, no, the horse was kind of, yeah, probably half starved and shut down. It's not the food that's made it um, bad. It's just the food that's put the energy back in the horse. The trouble was from the bad education and things like that. So the horses should be fed. They don't need to be overfed with high sugar diets and stuff like that because obviously there probably are spikes in energies and stuff like that with certain high sugar feeds you know, without me going into some sort of scientific sort of study on all the foods and what they cause in horses. But most problems are all through um, us not understanding the mind of the horse and blaming all that extra stuff on food. But, yeah, the energy is not the problem. It's the thought behind the energy. Um, but that's the problem and, and, and that's what you've got to look at. So I don't believe that the train is doing a good job by starving the horse um, they don't need to feed the horse hard feed in, in training just for starting a horse as long as they've got, you know, enough to keep it going. But reducing the food of a horse to make it just want to lose weight um, is not a good idea because the horse has to have, have enough to keep it, you know, happy and sustained. Not addressing the, the real crux of the issues, are yeah. they? Yeah. Great question, Kate. Thank you very much. And thank you for your questions to everybody else and Mark. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.